This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 216 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Women's polo, and it's a mental game. Please support our sponsors on this show because they make this possible. Sponsors this week are Equestrian Collections for the entire universe of equestrian shopping at your fingertips at equestriancollections.com. And our newest sponsor, Stable Comfort by ProMat. You can find them at stablecomfort.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Coach Jen. <laughs> and you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Why are you laughing? <gasps> I'm laughing at your show notes. Because we, well, yeah, my show notes are, are, my show notes are perfect. I perfectly understand my own show notes. Nobody else does, but I understand them. You know, you know, in, in the action adventure movies, Indiana Jones finds a, a stone tablet with some long-forgotten language carved into it, and he dusts it off, and there's a chip missing. So he gets three or four words, and then there's a gap, and then there's a couple of more words, and then it's broken. And then the next time you find some more words, it's a completely different subject. That's what your show notes look like, Glenn. That's what my mind looks like. <laughs> so it just matches. I just get it. And see, see, Helena's is the same way. So when she reads the show notes, she totally gets it, too. So, but speaking of which, she's just out this week. She'll be back next week. She had the, she was in the middle of computer hell. Oh, Uh, no. She got her her Mac fixed last week, got it back, and it still wasn't working. So she had to go back for another meeting with the geniuses. They said they were going to have to go up the levels. I don't know where you go beyond genius. Are you a super genius, or is there a separate word for that at that point? (laughs) <laughs> um, but she's going to need a she's going to need a she higher level. She needs to send level. it to the set of Big yeah. Bang Theory. <laughs> we we determined that probably they were going to schedule a séance with uh with with Steve Jobs and there that he go. was going to fix it that way. That's what go. we determined. I thought I thought Max didn't break. Yeah, that's not so much the case. Actually, she had the whole motherboard replaced and it still was doing the same thing it did before. So obviously it wasn't the motherboard. That was a <laughs> That was a $1,200 fix, which was fortunately under insurance, but still. Wow. Yeah, so Helena will be back next week when she's a lot less frustrated, hopefully, and, and actually has a computer to use. Didn't you have the motherboard replaced on your Mac? Yes, I did. Actually, it died, and it was under a recall for the motherboard. Yeah, yes, which I got mine replaced for free, too, thankfully, because it was $1,200. Now, um, mind you, I don't have any idea what a motherboard is and why a computer has one, but I know you got one replaced. That's the thing that has all the little gizmos and gadgets on it that make your computer work. It's the things with all the little, with all the little chips that welded to it, you know, the little... The, oh. the, the, that one well, that that's little, pretty much the whole computer. The yeah, rest of it's just much, a case. That's pretty much it. Yep, you're absolutely right. <laughs> There's not a lot of parts in there. I know. It's the motherboard and a keyboard and a screen, and that's it. Yep. So that's... Uh, 
So they're going to have to figure out why her computer's dead. But she'll be back next oh, week. Don't worry. No, no worries. Uh, we, uh, we have a sh- good show planned for you today. We have a number of things we're going to talk about. We have uh, Misty Wrigley... Misty Wrigley coming up very shortly to talk about the Kentucky CDE this weekend and what that's like. And also, we are bringing you a little bit from our Equestrian Legend show that just came out a couple of days ago because I found the woman absolutely fascinating, and she was talking about polo. And she she is truly a pioneer. I'll tell you more about her later on, but she's truly a pioneer in women's polo in the United States. So we're going to have a word from her. And then you have the Tack and Habit segment that we're sort of combining into a training tip. It's an all-purpose uniform tip, yes. And tell us what the, a little bit about what that's about. Uh, we're going to be talking about a really awesome, cool book that I got uh, very recently, and it's all about uh, being a better writer without having to go to the gym. And today we're talking about mental skills with the author, right? That's right. Yep. Terrific. Well, well that's all coming up in this episode of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. And we're going to get to Misty Wrigley uh, very shortly. And you might say Wrigley. Well, yes, that's Wrigley's gum. And she is of the Wrigley family. And she is well known in the driving world. And we're going to speak to her about a show this weekend called the Kentucky CDE, which is a driving event happening this weekend at the Kentucky Horse Park. If you're anywhere in Kentucky, uh, you definitely need to attend this. Jennifer and I volunteered at it last year when we lived in Kentucky. Can't volunteer this year, unfortunately. But she's joining us for a little bit. Actually, she joined Wendy and I on the on the driving radio show. But she's a fascinating woman and a, and a driver herself, as well as an organizer of this event. So we're going to hear about that in just a minute. But first, a word from the Horse Radio Network. Do you have a company in the horse world? Are you looking to get the word out about your products, services, or shows? At the Horse Radio Network, we understand our advertisers need to reach the equestrian consumer in the most efficient, cost-effective way possible. Internet radio shows like this one, also called podcasts, allow the flexibility and creativity to craft unique messages that stand out from the herd and reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. If you want to learn more about advertising on this show or any of our shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact our account manager, Lisa, at 847-790-4476, or you can drop her an email at lisa at network.com. Our listeners are terrific, engaged, and avid horse people, the ones that you are looking for. Watch. Okay, so we're here with Misty Wrigley Miller. Um, she lives in Kentucky and is one of the organizers of the Kentucky Classic CDE, which is one of my most favorite horse shows that's at the beautiful Kentucky Horse Park. It was the... Um, the site of the WEG 2010. And um, welcome, Misty, to the Drive Radio Show. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So you must be just uh, totally stressed out and busy getting ready for the show, huh? (laughs) No, the the time for stressing has has passed um, with the rain showers. Now that the sun has come out and everything's drying up and um, everything's coming together, so... Stress has passed. Now we're just looking forward to having a great horse show. Oh, great. And when do people start arriving? They are already here. I mean, there have been some uh, people passing me with their their horses and ponies and carriages already. So 
yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to happen soon. And um, you have uh, this show is actually incredible because it also has a lot of foreign hands. How many foreign hands do you have this year? We have two foreign hands, and this is kind of interesting. We we did have three, which we were very excited about because they were, um, of course, Chester and Jimmy, who were the bronze medal winners in in Europe just a couple months ago. And um, so we've been talking that up that, you know, we have our, our medal winners from Europe returning. But Jimmy has dropped down and decided to drive a pair. So the uh, competition would be for the pair national championship just got a lot deeper. Oh, that's right. You're, you're also doing the pair national championships. And it's also, isn't it also the pony national championships? It is all, all the pony division cha- national championships, yes. So when when we do the Pony National Championships, that involves the single, the pair, and the four in hand. So you that actually have four national championships at this one show. Yeah. You have like single, yes. pair, four in hand pony, and then you have uh, the pair horse. Right. And are you showing in the pair horse division? I am. You are. Oh, so you're going head to head with Jimmy. Who else is in your division? <laughs> Uh, Steve Wilson, who is a, a newcomer to our sport, but, you know, he's just so enthusiastic, and he's, he's moved up, you know, to, to compete and advance very quickly, and right. so we're we're happy to have him involved on, on such a high level. It's great. Yeah, and he drives those beautiful Lipizzanas, doesn't he? Yes, exactly. What um, do you drive, Misty? I'm sorry? What, what, are you, what are you driving this weekend? Tell us about your horses. I drive uh, KWPN. Um, horses mostly. My marathon specialist is a Danish warm blood. Um, his name is Snoopy, and he has a, a kind of a funny roan mark on his shoulder, and it's you know uh, it looks like snowflakes from his homeland. Excuse me. I, I, I always remember he's a, he's a Danish horse. <laughs> and he Snoopy has his own fan club because Snoopy has, has he's like mommy's baby. He's like he has his good days and his bad days. So he on his good days he's fantastic. Yes, yeah, and on his bad days, he's really, really bad. So it's just like a ma- wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So it's just like a marriage, is what you're saying? Uh, the relationship here with the horse? It, it, yes, yeah. it really, really is. It's it's total love hate, but it, at the end of the day, you know, we we always kiss and make up, and so it's always good. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Now, what about the course uh, this year? Has it been raining? I know it was very dry, actually, in Lexington, the beginning of the season. But it, you've gotten a, a good amount of rain, so is the footing going to be good? Yeah. we. Um, in fact, we, we got about uh, an inch in the last uh, 30 hours. Oh, wow. But um, all, all the clouds are gone now. It's actually it's quite warm, and there's a little breeze coming up, so it's... Um, um, it's drying out, and I've actually just uh, walked through all the hazards. The hazards, the footing is in great shape. Um, the actual dressage ring has a, a little soggy corner, but it's got two days to dry up. So I think we're going to be in, in excellent shape. You know, Wendy, that place should be hustling, too, because I think there's a dressage show or something else going on at the same time this weekend, isn't there? There is always something going on yeah. at this horse park. I know that the Pasofino, Pasofino National Championships start on Sunday. Oh, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's going to be a lot of fast stepping going on at the horse park on <laughs> exactly, Sunday. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
So if people want to come out and, and see the show, um, it's at the Kentucky Horse Park. And Thursday and Friday is dressage. And then Saturday is marathon, which is my favorite part to watch from a spectator. And then Sunday is cones. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. And uh, eight, eight hazards um, for the cross country because uh, so many national championships are being determined. So there's going to be plenty of thrills for people if they come out on, on Saturday. And, of course, they, I, I know I'm a little prejudiced because it's my hometown, but I think these are the, the best hazards in the country because they are, were, of course, built for the, the World Equestrian Games. And they are just they're so beautiful. And for, right. any, for any of our listeners who have not seen a marathon yet, you have you just have to go see one. It is it is absolutely the most fun thing you're ever going to watch. Um, it's it's a good time. Thank you so much for joining us today, Misty. We really appreciate it, and good luck over the weekend. Thank you, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. If you want to find out more about the Kentucky Classic CDE, you can go to KentuckyClassicCDE.com and all the information's there as well as the schedule. But as we, as we said in there, Saturday's the day you want to head out if you want to have some fun watching the marathon and watching the crazy carriage drivers going like nuts all, all over the horse park. That's, that's the day to do it. That's the day for the That's fun. only the pony division. And Jennifer and I, you know, I, Jennifer, you were an, a ridden eventer, and, but yet you still love going out and watching the carriages, don't you? Oh, they're awesome. They're, uh, the marathon phase is so much fun to watch. Oh, absolutely. They're going around like bonkers. And the guy hanging off the back of the carriage like some kind of a... Yeah, combine um, gymnastics with NASCAR. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> yep. Well, that's what's uh, going on this weekend at the Kentucky Horse Park. We thought we'd uh, let you know about that. One of our favorite events. And uh, we're going to get to... I did an interview with Sonny Hale for Equestrian Legends, and her name is actually Sunset, by the way. Sunset really? Hale. Yeah, I didn't her. know that. And if you listen to the Equestrian Legends show, you'll find out what her siblings' names are, and they are all as interesting as Sunset. Um, but she is a true pioneer in the world of women's polo. She uh, followed in her mother's footsteps, and she is has really, truly transformed polo on and off the field for women. She was the first woman in the United States history to win the U.S. Open Polo Championship, and that's like the Super Bowl of polo. Um, she's a seven-time winner of the Polo Excellence Awards for Woman Player of the Year. She's attained the highest rating ever given to a woman in the history of the sport of five goals after winning the U.S. Open Polo Championship in 2000. And she's founded numerous organizations and associations to enhance the sport of polo. And she's done it at a fairly young age, actually. She's the youngest equestrian legend we've ever had. And I wanted you to hear a little bit of that interview today. We're going to give you a piece of it because she was such a fascinating woman. We thought we'd share it with our Stable Scoop audience as well. And then you'll be able to hear the rest of it if you head over to Equestrian. Legends.com. And we would love to introduce to you out there in podcast listening world our newest advertiser here on the Stable Scoop radio show, Stable Comfort by Promat. And it is a stall comfort system for your horse, and it's for all of your horses, not just the old ones, not just the ones with lameness issues, not just the ones on stall rest. It's for everybody, just like a good quality mattress is for every human being. A good quality underfoot stable system is for all of your horses. Unlike traditional rubber mats that we see in most folks' stalls, this is an all-in-one system. It is one piece that covers the entire floor. Therefore, 
Uh, no peeling of mats, no mats for horses to get caught on, no mats that will peel up and allow dirt, urine, bacteria, and viruses to hide underneath. And on top of that, this system has two separate layers. The bottommost layer, closest to the ground, is designed specifically for your horse to walk on to give him a more natural feel to the floor. It's got a little bit of give to it, similar to what maybe turf would be outdoors. So it gives, it, it's not a hard surface. And when he stands up and lays down and moves around the stall, it allows his joints and his feet and his back and his ribs to feel more comfortable. So it's a bottom layer of padding that is designed specifically for horses and a top layer of firm, flat rubber so that it's easy to, easy to keep clean and sanitary. And all this is available at Stable Comfort. And it's StableComfort.com. Is that right, Glenn? Yep, StableComfort.com. It's great stuff. Um, Chris Cox uses it. Uh, Nick Skelton, one of our favorite jumper riders, uses it. Mary King, everybody's favorite event rider. And Craig Johnson as well. So a lot of top horsemen already have discovered Stable Comfort. And we want you to go to StableComfort.com and discover it as well. Your horses will appreciate having something pleasant underfoot. And you'll use a lot less bedding. So your folks who are in charge of cleaning stalls will love it. And the people who pay your bills, that's you, will love it as well. Equestrian legend, Sonny Hale. So, and this might help uh, others who are, uh, you know, other women or other men, for that matter, who are wanting to get into polo. When when you went out uh, to play, you were still one of the first women that were playing at the caliber and, and the level that you were playing at. And, you know, I read some quotes that you had. It wasn't it wasn't totally easy for you either at that point, being being a woman in a man's sport. Well, basically, what I wanted to do, um, I I my my chosen occupation at the time, which there really weren't any women in that occupation. So there's no resume that you submit. There's no, um, you know, job finder service. You have to basically earn any position you have based on your talent. And it's basically word of mouth. So what I did was want one is, is I had the desire to play in the best polo uh, in the United States with the best players. So getting on teams at all different levels just took, you know, practice, practice, practice. And, um, I got on those teams for, for basically um, my talents um, and being able to work with other teammates. So one job would lead to another job to another job, which finally led to coming to Palm Beach in 1993, where I got my very first professional job. Which, for those viewers that are not familiar, West Palm Beach, Florida, Wellington to be specific, um, is pretty much the Wall Street. If you're a stockbroker, you go to Wall Street. So if you're a polo player, you want the best polo in America, you go to Wellington, Florida in the winter. Um, and I got my first job opportunity as a professional in Wellington in 1993. And that one playing on that team led to another team at a higher level, which led to several more opportunities. So, um, no, at that time, there were no paid women professionals playing. I, I would have to say it was probably the first one that was actually a paid professional. Um, there's some women that own teams. They they're, um, would play as amateurs, and maybe there's some girls that would sub in that were excellent players. So kind of that field that I was in was kind of a one of a kind, um, but truly an amazing opportunity to be able to play. If you think about it, um, I would, I would, it would be like dropping me into Michael Jordan's team, you know, in the NBA finals. And people were very okay with it um, because of their base and their skill. Um, was it easy? No, but anybody at my handicap at, at my, uh, skill level, you know, in comparison to the skill levels on the field, you know, you're going to take, you're going to take some heat, but that's, that goes without saying. 
Yeah, well, that's that. You know, even even guys going into a guys team like you were talking about are going to get that when they're rookies. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Like the newest guy on Michael Jordan's team, he's going to take some heat. He's going to, you know, he's going to have to get after it to try and match up. But the opportunity to be able to play with a caliber of player—that's what I wanted. And uh, so none of that really mattered. Although you were quoted as saying that uh, that you you knew more swear words and more languages than probably any any girl your age. Now, where did you find that? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No, I can tell you a, a large dictionary of words that I've, I've never heard before, but um, uh, that's when you just kind of go numb and, and you, you realize the lips are moving, but it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you, just, you just keep doing what you're doing. What did you find uh, you know, in those early days when you were in your 20s and you were working your way up through to become one of the top uh, female players in the world? What, what were the biggest challenges you found uh, along the way? Um, for me, I think the biggest challenges is, uh, is listening to people over and over who had a different plan for what I should do, for how I should do it, and what I shouldn't go after because of some hurdles they thought or they knew about. I think the hardest challenge was to sit quietly um, listen to it without comment. And, you know, I just know, you know, I'd know in my mind and my heart, I was like, okay, whatever you just said, but I'm still going after it and I will get it. And I think that was pretty much the hardest part is just to sit quietly, not bite and, uh, continue to do, do what I thought I wanted to do. I think that was truly, uh, the hardest thing. And you, uh, financially, was it, was it tough, uh, being out on your own those years or was there enough coming in oh, to, yeah. to eat? No, no, no. As, as with anybody that's in the equestrian world, you really have to, um, if this is something you want to do as an occupation, you have to truly have an edge. You have to have something different or know something or truly believe in what you're doing in order to figure out um, the finance side, unless you have a backer or you have a, you know, you came for money. You know, that's something that you have to constantly figure out how to produce in order to, to be there. So that, that, you know, that was always part of the picture to be able to put that whole puzzle together. So then in the year 2000, you had an opportunity to play on, on a pretty good team in a pretty good tournament. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. Pretty good tournament would be defined as uh, the premier tournament in the United States, the U.S. Open. And the pretty good team was the good fortune of playing um, the Outback Steakhouse team owned by Tim Gannon, who had won the Open four or five times um, and hired the best professional player in the world, Adolfo Cambiasso. And they had started, um, they basically started to heading towards the U.S. Open. They'd been planning for the you know year previous with the team that they'd organized. They had uh, two or three warm-up tournaments that were going to play with that team before the Open. Um, so there was a lot of preparation that had gone into place. I was nowhere on the roster or even on the radar. And uh, somewhere in the, the uh, warm-up tournament, um, they, the owner decided that he wanted to uh, – not play in the U.S. Open. He 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 wanted to give that opportunity to his best friend, who had been also his team manager um, and best friend since college, uh, in Phil Healy. And so what that did is it changed the dynamics of uh, the the fourth professional that could fit on that team. So um, it was pretty amazing. Tim had just decided, you know what? I've won this tournament about four times. Um, I'm, I don't feel the same chemistry as I did those other times. And instead of just go through the motions, I'm going to give the opportunity to my best friend. I'm going to sit down. And, and he went to Adolfo. He told him what he wanted to do. And they together, um, they needed a, what's called in polo, a, your handicap. They needed a four handicap player. And they chose me. They called me and said, you know, would you like to play in the U.S. Open? And, of course, I said, gee, let me check. No, do I want to play? <laughs> See if well, I'm yes, busy that yes, weekend. I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I'm available and I'm ready today. 
So I, I really didn't get any prep time. It was kind of like, you know, I'm in, uh, got the call, showed up, and, um, you know, the rest was history. We went undefeated, and one of the greatest experiences, I think, in my life. And that was in Southern Florida at that point? Was that helpful? Yeah, that was in uh, Wellington, Florida in 2000. Gotcha. And that led to, the, you know, the next five years of, of, of playing, and then in... 2005, you established the Women's Ch- uh, Championship Tournament to help pr- promote women's polo. Tell us how mm-hmm. that came about. That actually, that's funny, um, because I had played in women's tournaments since I was a kid, and um, I, I saw something different because I, I had the good fortune, even since I was a teenager, to be able to fly around the country and play in, in women's tournaments, and I'd, I'd meet like two or three really excited, amazing women players in one location, and maybe four in another location, and, and uh, maybe I met some, and I went to Jamaica and played and met a few over there. And I kept thinking to myself, God, there's got to be a way to network that enthusiasm, that type of professionalism, um, you know, for that group of women that wanted to really compete against each other, have a good time, but truly were sportsmen at the end of the day. And so I was, it was actually on a, I was on a plane uh, flying to Singapore, and uh, it was my first trip going there to play. And I thought to myself nine hours into the flight, for any of you that have flown that far, and looking over the water going, my God. <laughs> Can't we do something in the United States to, to network all these people? And uh, here I am going all the way over here to this side of the world. And so with that, I, I, I came up with in my mind this um, this idea for a format that we could network all those type of women through top tournaments played around the United States. I was traveling, you know, to, to a lot of them anyway. Um, and then I just thought, you know, if you put that group of women together, what could they do as a group? And what actually happened is, I, I created that format in 2005, um, got it accepted by the Paul Association as, you know, hey, roll with it, it's great. Um, started the WCT as a corporation um, to see where it went. And um, basically what's happened since that point is we have two qualifiers all around the United States and internationally. This year we add, um, we'll be adding two qualifiers in Argentina. We have one in Singapore, actually, that I'm going to next week. We'll be adding one in Malaysia, and we have um, one that was in Italy, as well as from, you know, the West Coast, California, all the way to Florida. So what's really fun for me now is is to truly see that fun network of you're going to play hard, you're going to go after it, and you can play these tournaments around the country um, and meet those kind of women. For me, that's that's been an amazing thing because it really did. Just that idea just started in 2005. And how many team, how many women's teams are there now? There's quite a few, isn't there? Well, that's the thing. There's tournaments all around the United States and around the world. Women happen to represent one of the largest growing sectors getting into the sport uh, currently, uh, and that's kind of a worldwide um, pattern. Uh, so how many women's teams in total? Couldn't even tell you. Um, but but tournament-wise, you know, it's definitely on the, on the rise. And as far as women getting into the sport, that have, maybe they've rode horses, they tried other horse sports, or they like what they're doing, but they want to try something different. You can now go to one of these WCTs at these clubs and kind of kind of just check it out. You know, see other women play. If that's something you want to try. And uh, as women are a lot more cautious than men, they want to go see. If, you know, let me just go see if I'm not going to make a fool of myself. But these these are really uh, these tournaments and clubs are really open to new players. And so that's the fun part is it's a way for you know mainstream um, people that have never been exposed to polo to kind of get their first look at it, go to one of these tournaments, have a good time. We encourage everybody to go hang out and it's 
almost always more important that you have a very good swag bag when you show up and that you put on a good party at the tournament. <laughs> we don't care if you're really good. We're still going to make fun of you. I, I, so, I, I'm a driver, yeah. and it's the same way. The party is oh, yeah. is important. So, <laughs> but, but that's the whole point, you know, and that's, I think, been the fun part for me is just promoting that camaraderie of it, no matter what your character is. But what we don't promote is uh, a bad attitude. If you got a bad attitude, we're probably not going to invite you next time. <laughs> yeah. You need to get over it. Well, this is a good point uh, to, to actually discuss. I did want to get into this conversation at some point. You know, I think one of the the uh, misconceptions Polo has is that it's only a rich man sport or rich person sport in this case. That you you have to be wealthy to play it, and I think that's changing a bit with with the with the smaller teams and with the more local teams available. Isn't that changing? Well, I think what what's changing is um, is, is the polo is accessible truly to anybody. Um, what is the misconception is, is that mostly in the media that's ever been promoted about polo, and this is where the assumption comes that it's only for the wealthy, very wealthy, is um, it, usually media picks up on polo when a famous person or somebody in royalty or an actor, um, something happened or they played or they broke a leg or they whatever, and so the only thing that really ever gets shown mainstream is that level of the sport. So when you say that, well, what does that mean? What's the trickle-down effect? It would be like saying, I race cars, and the only thing you ever saw was NASCAR level. You're like, oh, my God, that guy's got a million-dollar race team. Right. <laughs> no, I actually raced at a dirt track with a little go-kart, right. um, you know, over in Ohio, and I'm, I'm, I race, you know. And so that's what – no one's ever really shown the underneath of, of truly what exists in America because probably – you know, 65% of the polo that's played around the United States um, is by just what you call your weekend warriors, that maybe they got a quarter horse and they it, it ropes during the week and they go to the polo on the weekend or they, they rented one from, you know, a polo club and they, they go grab their two-horse trailer and they go play on the weekend and they don't see polo again until the next weekend. So, um, you know, that's kind of the side that's never really uh, been really just, you know, put a flashlight on. And, you know, I think also we've all heard, especially those of us in the horse world and, and outside, for that matter, that you need six horses and, you know, you, you've got to have the full string and the whole thing. And, and, and you know, you're right. For, you don't really need that uh, on a whole yeah. to, to, to play yeah. at, the, at the lower levels. Yeah, no, not at all. And see, that's the thing is that um, if you take WCT, for instance, um, this is a fun part for, for women that, that maybe they have a business that they do or they run or they work in corporations, is that they can actually literally, without owning a horse, they can call one of these clubs and say, hey, I want to play in one of these tournaments. Um, how do I do it? There's usually lease horses available where you can show up, rent your horse, um, or, hey, I want to uh, you know, come play at your club. You can go do it and not even own the horse. So it, it, you know, it's kind of an um, easy in-out situation, but... Um, the, the issue with polo is that the conception is that just like NASCAR, if all you ever saw was NASCAR, you think if you race, you have to have a million dollar team, Tony Stewart's going to drive for you. And that's what it is. But, but they never show what the backyard little kid in his, in his go-kart, you know, that's part of racing too. Um, or the weekend guys, you know, racing around the, around the country, um, so that's kind of the thing for polo that uh, is very open. You can call most polo clubs and say, I want to come try a lesson, and all you have to really do is show up with, with boots with some kind of heel, and they'll provide the rest, you know. So, And your average polo lesson, it depends on where you are. Uh, sometimes they're given to you for free. I warn you now, it's addicting. <laughs> that's a trick. It's a really good one. But you might get a couple free polo lessons. But, you know, your polo lessons average anywhere from 50 to 250 a lesson, depending on who it is and the location. 
Um, so, you know, it's, it's comparable to other sports. If you're, if you're in the market to try something new, it, it is comparable. You don't necessarily have to buy, you know, the whole uh, menu of options. You can, you can take it at whatever your budget level is. That's the addicting part. Well, if you want to hear the rest of that interview with Sonny Hale, then you can head on over to equestrianlegends.com, and we hope you enjoyed hearing from her. I certainly enjoyed talking to her. And now it is time for Tack and Habit, which is brought to you by Equestrian Collections. Hi, Glenn, back with you from the Horse Radio Network. I'm here with Debbie with the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. Hi, Glenn, and happy fall. Since it's the autumn season, I wanted to feature our new waterproof turnout sheet. It's called the Centaur Don't Shoot Waterproof Turnout Sheet. And the reason it's called that is because it is blaze orange. It is as bright an orange as you could imagine. It also has reflective strips on it. So that if you're in a place where your horse is in a pasture and you're the least bit worried about hunters, you slap this thing on them and they will not mistake your horse for a deer. It's only $54.95, so it's well with it. It's below $60. And it's only 420D, so it's not designed for a D meaning denier. It's not designed for, um, you know, rough. Uh, being rough out there in the fields, but what it is designed for is for visibility. I have a lot of customers who are concerned about that these days, and this is our answer to that. It is a waterproof turnout. It's waterproof, breathable, and it's got the reflective strips, so it's good to see day and night. It has a double front closure. Has the um, the gear rings for the uh, leg straps, but the leg straps don't come with it, so that's no problem. Most all of us have extra leg straps around, or you can order them from us as well. It also has front leg arches, so it fits really well. It's a Centaur product, which is a well-established vendor that we sell a lot of. This is just the first time they've gone into the protective environment, and I think it's a great idea for fall. It is very bright. We used to have that problem in Pennsylvania where we lived. Uh, there were hunters all around our farm. So I love this product. It's available in all the si- usual sizes from 63 through 87, so your bigger horses as well. You can find it at equestriancollections.com. And Equestrian Collections also has a bunch of reflective stuff for humans as well. You can find that at equestriancollections.com. <laughs> Well, Jennifer, now you're bringing us the Tack and Habit product of the week. Inside Your Ride by Tanya Johnston, M.A. And she told me what the M.A. stands for, and I don't remember. It's, it's got something to do with being really smart going to college and understanding psychology. Uh, Tanya is a longtime hunter-jumper competitor who went to the University of California and got a B.A. in psychology. And then she went to John F. Kennedy University and got a master's in sports psychology. And then she took those two degrees and she is a mental skills coach for equestrians. Which is a really cool job to have because everybody knows that equestrians are mental. (laughs) But she stopped by a little while ago. She did some tips with us for Horse Tip Daily, which was really fun. 
And she wrote this little book called Inside Your Ride. It's a lovely little paperback, so you can tuck it in when you have to take road trips. And it talks all about the mental aspects of riding and how they affect your performance long-term and short-term, how they affect your relationship with other equestrians. And one of the tips that we talked about is taking your job skills, things that you do every day at your job or in some cases at your school, that you're good at. Um, Maybe you're a really organized person at work and everybody comes to you to help themselves keep organized. How to take those kinds of skill sets and apply them to your horse habit to become a better rider. It was really an interesting conversation. Welcome back, Tanya Johnston, mental skills coach, published author of Inside Your Ride, my favorite little handy-dandy paperback to carry with me everywhere I go, uh, <laughs> because you can, you can read the whole book or one chapter, and when you close the book, you go, yes, I've got good stuff to do. Great. What have you got on the list today? Well, so today we're going to be talking about how to use life skills. So the skills you walk around with every day that you may use in your job, that may you, you use in your relationships and, and what you're doing at home uh, with family or loved ones, uh, what you're doing in your other hobbies uh, or, or things that you're involved in. How can we use the skills that we have as people and bring them to the barn, bring them to our riding. Uh, there's, a, I think, I, I am always excited by this idea because I think it's something that gets away from people. I think a lot of people, this doesn't occur to many people. And and really, when I talk with clients about this, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it, it's something that's pretty exciting because it's sort of like having all these tools in your toolbox, and they're kind of buried down at the bottom, and you and you haven't been down there for a while. You didn't realize, oh, yeah, I can use this. Look at that. I didn't know I had that. And I already have it. I don't even have to go to the hardware store. It's already right here. Oh, cool. Enlighten me. Yeah. So so when you think about, so this, so first of all, we want to say, all right, so what are my skills? If I have life skills, what are they? So we want to say, all right, what are the important skills I possess that, for example, make me good at my job? What things am I doing day in and day out at my job? that I feel really confident in, that I feel empowered by when I'm facing a challenge at work. You know, what kinds of things do I have that way? Am I really organized? Am I a good communicator? Am I someone who can look at many sides to a problem? Am I someone who knows how to get the right help? You know, if I have a situation at work, do I, am I shy about calling colleagues or asking people that I know that have been through the similar situation. Heck no, I want to get to the solution. I'm happy to ask anybody, you know, that kind of thing. So really cool. sitting down and asking yourself, right, what kinds of skills do I have? Um, maybe you're, you know, depending on your age, obviously, it will depend on how long you've been in the workforce or uh, that kind of thing. But let's say there's a school teacher who also is an event writer and and at events, finds herself extremely distracted and, frankly, really put off by the environment of the warm-up ring, right? So mm-hmm. there's too much chaos. There's too much going on. She'll go into to the warm-up ring to get ready for her dressage test and just get totally overwhelmed and wish that she could only have a three-minute warm-up and just get it over with. Mm-hmm. Um, but that same person can go into a junior high school classroom where people are all over the place. The kids are, 
you know, having... They're bonkers. Let's just face it. They're bonkers. And, you know, a lot of acting out and people, you know, just all kinds of things are going on. And she can pick out the two things that she needs to do first to get organized. What are, what are the most important things she needs to focus on to get control back in that classroom? And boom, she's done that. She's moving forward. She's comfortable with the choices she's made and she's acting on them with confidence, you know, that's a similar situation. And yet somehow in the warm-up ring situation, she's not able to trust her choices about what to focus on. So when we identify some parallels there in skill set, in ability to broaden and narrow focus, for example, that person can feel, oh my gosh, I I do know how to do this. This is something I'm capable of. And and this, I'm going to put this to use in a really positive way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's a, that's a great example of two similar chaotic situations. I can just I can just see the warm up ring with the crazy kids spitballs and stuff. But exactly. for for this teacher, she can just walk in and go, oh, "I've got this," and then take those those mental skill sets and the ability to just go, "This is what needs to happen," right. and and move on, and carrying that over into the writing arena. That's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. And so same thing, you know, a lot of times people look at their communication skills, communication skills being really fundamental, obviously, in in our writing. It really is a form of communication. And so you have someone who's a great communicator, has a lot of really positive, compassionate, empathetic exchanges with the people that are that they're close to. And yet when they're on their horse, maybe is feeling like, gosh, we're just not on the same page or my horse is always cranky and we're just not getting along and feeling really stuck in that. And instead of, again, bringing this ability to have a communication that's give and take, right? Ah, yes, yes. Fluidness. There's a fluidness to the communication. It's not a black and white, you do what I say, or if you don't, you don't like me. You know, right, that's- yeah. That's great because when you're at work, that's one of those things they teach you when you have to take all those classes on how to get, get along with your coworkers that communication shouldn't be, generally speaking, very, very black and white. It should be a give and take. That's a great one because so many people have gotten that kind of training at work. It's almost a requirement nowadays to, hmm. to take those kinds of – they you know, do it during your lunch breaks and stuff. So that's a great one to take – to the barn with you to be able to communicate with your horse better. Right. And to really understand that as a relationship. And again, you know, this goes, this is another major theme of being able to look for the positive moments. So maybe the whole ride didn't go as you hoped, but there were moments where you felt like ah, that aha, of like, Oh, we're totally in sync. I think it, and my horse is doing it. You know, those kinds of things that we want to celebrate that. And then, and then focus on that. So we're driving home thinking about those beautiful highlights and not driving home thinking about, and then I put my leg on and he kicked out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, cool. so these life skills are just really sort of often unmined, I think. You know, mm-hmm. they're sort of like gems that are just waiting to be discovered. So I encourage everyone to just sort of think through what you're using in other areas of your life to be successful Again, put on that curiosity cap that I talked about in, in another horse tip uh, and sort of wonder, wonder to yourself, all right, how else can I use this skill to get toward my goals? How can this help me achieve my goals and, and become a more consistent and confident 
rider. That's awesome. That's cool. And folks, by the way, on Inside Your Ride, this topic begins on page 142 and continues from there. So you, when you get your, when you get your uh, paperback, paperback version, that's where you go first. Great. Thank you so much for this. And there's more on this topic, by the way, in the book, and it gets, and gets much more deeply into it, and it covers a lot more skills. Yep. So for folks who, who want more, where can they find you, Tanya? On my website, which is simply my name, tanyajohnston.com. And I'm also on Facebook at Tanya Johnston Mental Skills Coach. And there's a lot of fun updates, what I'm doing, where I'm going, what I'm thinking about, and and tips to kind of keep you on your toes with your psychological skills and, and outlook as far as your writing goes. Super duper. And we'll be seeing you again real soon. Okay. Thanks so much. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for doing that for us this week on Stable Scoop. We really appreciate that. You know, My pleasure. As they always say, every sport, it doesn't matter what the sport, it's 80% mental, 20% physical. And it's, it's really weird how you have to work so hard on that 20%, but uh, you, know, you have to work even harder on that 80%. Uh, <laughs> and, but boy, that 20% seems so hard to do when you're working out. Yeah. Yeah. Give, give me, give me a physical task any day. So much easier. I mean, muscle, muscle soreness, big deal. Just keep doing sit-ups, whatever it was, but boy, the mental part, that's tough. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. Uh, this week, we'll be sure to be back next week as uh, Helena joins us again. We have some great shows planned for you over the next couple of weeks. And we'll ha- for details about today's show and any links, you can go to stablescoop.com for photos and more information, things like that. As always, we love your feedback. You can follow us on Facebook under Stable Scoop or at Twitter at Horse Radio. And many thanks to our sponsors today. We had Equestrian Collections and Stable Comfort by ProMat. And thank you, Jennifer, for helping out. You're welcome. Sorry, folks, I had to be here, but Helena will be back next week. Oh, you week. did no, great. No you did great. And hopefully Helena gets her computer fixed. Let's hope so. <laughs> well, that's it for this week, everybody. We'll be back next week. And as Helena says... That's it for this week. No, she says happy scooping. Oh, well, it doesn't say that in the show notes. No, she just says it. Happy scooping. Happy scooping. And that really fits with our new sponsor. <laughs> <laughs>